May these words and the meditation of our hearts be blessed in your sight, our God, our Creator, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. The text for our consideration for today comes from the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter. The word of God came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O holy God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of God came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed Yahweh. And God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then God said to him, I am the one who brought you up from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O God, how can I know that I shall possess it? God said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought these to the Holy One and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And more than the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, Yahweh made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. A few months ago, my partner and Herb and I went for a hike to Mount Diablo. And on the way back home, we stopped at the Animal Rescue Foundation in Walnut Creek. We decided to stop by and take a look at a few kittens. We weren't ready to get a kitten yet, but we just wanted to see what they had available so that when we were ready, we would know. I think you can see where this is headed. <laughs> so at the Animal Rescue Foundation, you're allowed to look at three cats. We went in to look at the first cat, whose name was Paco. Paco had been found a sickly kitten roaming the streets of Sacramento. He was taken from the street to a shelter, to a foster home, and finally to this rescue foundation in Walnut Creek where he was recovering. A six-month-old Abyssinian mix, Paco was playful and affectionate and had a lot of chutzpah, which we knew any cat would need to make it in a house with two elderly cats and two dogs. We left Paco behind and went and looked at two other cats, two adorable little kittens who were rather shy. And then we returned to Paco and were mesmerized by his cuteness and playfulness. And the question entered our mind, are we ready to 
And suddenly the door flung open. And the staff guide who had been showing us around walked in with a camera. And she said, there's no need for you to look at any more cats. It's obvious this one's coming home to you. Stand there while I take your picture with your new kitten. <laughs> and just like that, we went from cat window shopping to new kitten parents. Beware animal rescue foundations. <laughs> so we took Paco home and we renamed him Cougar because, well, he looks like a cougar and acts like a wild animal. He was a little bit reserved for the first couple of weeks, but after a couple of weeks, it started to sink in that we had made a permanent commitment to him. No more foster homes, no more shelters. We were his forever home and family. In our text for today, Abram is the stray cat. Abram is the one who has to receive a promise from God that he will have a forever home and family. Now, God would later rename this stray Abraham, meaning the father of multitudes, but for right now, he's just plain old Abram, an elderly, childless nomad who receives a promise that he will have a home full of descendants. And Abram believes the promise, and it is reckoned to him as righteousness. And one way to understand that is that Abram and God are in right relationship. There is a mutual trust in and faithfulness to each other. Now, in that trusting relationship, Abram seeks a further assurance, a covenant. Now, in those days, the way to seal a deal was to make a covenant or literally to cut a covenant. Now, I'm going to warn any of you who are vegetarians, you may want to close your ears for the next few seconds. So this was literally a time in which people put skin in the game. So they would cut an animal in two, place the two halves on opposite sides, and then walk in between the two halves, symbolizing that if either party broke faith, this animal's fate should be their fate. Then they'd have a barbecue, cook the animal, have a meal together, and that would seal the deal. Now, I know this sounds rather gruesome, but there is an important principle here. Every covenant, every trusting relationship requires some sort of sacrifice. What sacrifice does a deeper relationship with God require of you? Right before the covenant is confirmed, Abram falls into a deep, terrifying sleep. He counts the cost. Abram dreams of all the troubles that will befall his descendants if God keeps God's end of the bargain. If Abram, is Abram really sure that he wants this blessing? It will come with pain and struggle for him, for his descendants, and yes, even for God. Abram is willing, and the covenant is then confirmed. But instead of both of them walking through together, as was the custom, only God, symbolized by fire, makes the journey. 
God puts the onus on God to keep the covenant. Why? Back to our cat caper. So Cougar and Herb and I already were having a connection. But we had to sign the adoption papers, put them in the car, and take them home. We took ultimate responsibility for the relationship. And that's important because in doing so, we are promising Cougar that no matter how he behaves, he has a forever home and family with us. And his behavior can be rather challenging. He wakes us up at 5.30 a.m. every morning, meowing for first breakfast, which is usually followed by second and third breakfast. So far, he's destroyed four dining room chairs, two orchids, and an avocado tree that I grew from a pit that was living in our sunroom and he figured was the perfect place to curl up and take a nap on top of. So we've actually given him a new nickname. His new nickname is Destructo. So even though he sounds like a Marvel Comics villain, he's family, and we adore him. Now, a covenant usually has a sense of, I'll do my part if you do yours. But what's different with Abram's covenant and our covenant with God is the fine print. Even when we prove less than faithful, God promises to remain in relationship. Even when we bite and scratch like a destructo, the source of all life promises that our relationship will never be severed. Yes, Abram's descendants had consequences when they were less than faithful, but they were never abandoned forever. Yes, God calls us to account, to step up and grow up, but we will never be abandoned. God takes ultimate responsibility for keeping the covenant of love with us. This theme of adoption offers us a need of corrective to some strands of our Christian theology that many of us have experienced. So when I was growing up, every Sunday morning, my parents and I would go to church. At the beginning of every service, we would kneel and say the following words together. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. <laughs> what an up way to begin a service, huh? I needed to confess that I had been selfish and had hurt others, but that my being itself was sinful and miserable week after week after week after year made me feel 
like there was nowhere that I really belonged. And that I wasn't worthy of forgiveness, even if Jesus had paid for it. Not only was I personally responsible for Jesus' death, but I started to feel like I was responsible for the evils of the universe wherever they might be. And that no amount of good news was going to rectify that steep, sinking feeling of worthlessness. While a promise of grace followed, I felt so bad about myself, I couldn't take it in. Our text might have a better image for what it means to be in right relationship with God. Abram wants to make a covenant with the God who has taken him in. But God has already taken him in. God already told Abram, I'm your shield. I am the Holy One, your Holy One, who has brought you to this place. What if sin is primarily the forgetting that we are family with God and with each other? And what if God is putting skin in the game in the person of Jesus? And what if that means that nothing, not injustice, not even death, can separate us from the love of God? Then the message is not a wrathful God who forgives undeserving, miserable beings, but a God who takes in strays, reminding us of who we are and where we belong. The covenant then is not a legal document absolving sinful, miserable beings, but a formal adoption into a forever family. We are made in the image of God, made of God stuff. We are of the family of God in love no matter what. That's the covenant. And yet there's work to do. There's a role to play. Abram has a role to play. That promised baby isn't going to conceive himself. That's the paradox of life with the divine. The love is unconditional. And there's work to do. Becoming more godlike is not a condition to be loved, but being loved, receiving that love, we become more godlike. What's your covenant? with God? How deep are you willing to let the love of God penetrate and permeate you? And receiving that love, what's your end of the covenant? Through us, God closes the gap between current reality and the promised future of justice and thriving for the whole human family, for our family. We join God and put skin into the game of life, closing that gap in tiny increments. So if we fast forward 2,000 years from our friend Abram, we come to a final supper 
that Jesus has with his friends. And at that dinner, he cuts a new covenant, sealed in his own blood, and walks the path alone for us, reminding them and us, showing us just how deep that love is. And he gives them a new command. Love each other as you have been loved. Fast forward another 2,000 years, and today we come together to celebrate that covenant meal of Jesus. We remember a love that came first, and we respond to that love. Will you respond to a cosmos that adores you by putting more skin into the game of life, by committing yourself more deeply to a God and a human family, to where you belong? And if so, what is that next action, that next step that your soul is calling you to take? What is your covenant with each other as God's family in this place at this time? The spiritual path is about finding God and finding family everywhere. We remember who we are and whose we are. And we make a commitment, a covenant, to be taken in and to take each other in. That's the journey. Herb and I have made a covenant with a little kitten named Cougar. And we're inviting him to show us more mature cat behavior. (laughs) Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. However well he meets expectations. Whenever he curls up next to my head and nuzzles my cheek, purring in my ear, and I reach out and rub his chin and scratch between his ears, we both feel and experience the promise of home fulfilled. And in those moments, I start to understand just how God must feel about us.